You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. A breach in several companies' consumer-facing systems is attributed to a third-party chat vendor. Crooks are tampering with chip debit cards... Ocean Lotus is back with a macOS backdoor. A Mirai variant was used against banks earlier this year. Energetic Bear may be exploiting misconfigured switches. Microsoft looks into Office 360 outages. Russia warns Britain against playing with fire. And three cyber startups are Data Tribe finalists. From the CyberWire studios at Data Tribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Friday, April 6, 2018. Earlier this week, an issue with the IT supply chain hit pipeline operators. Yesterday, there was another third-party breach disclosed that affected a major airline and a major retailer, and several other companies as well. Delta Airlines and Sears both said that hundreds of thousands of customers' personal information was exposed through an online chat service they used for customer support. The chat service was provided by Silicon Valley firm 247AI, that company said in a statement, quote, 24-7 AI discovered and contained an incident potentially affecting the online customer payment information of a small number of our client companies and affected clients have been notified. The incident began on September 26th and was discovered and contained on October 12th, 2017. We have notified law enforcement and are cooperating fully to ensure the protection of our clients and their customers' online safety. We are confident that the platform is secure and we are working diligently with our clients to determine if any of their customer information was accessed. Sears said in an announcement dated Wednesday that 24-7 AI notified them of the breach in mid-March. Delta was more specific in its statement, saying they were notified last week on March 28th. Both companies said that they'd been taking steps to contain the damage since they were notified. Other companies were also affected, Best Buy among them and no doubt others will come to light soon. Nick Biligorsky, cybersecurity strategist at Juniper Networks, pointed out that the companies named as having suffered loss of customer data in the incident weren't themselves breached. It was a third-party breach that hit them via a vendor. Biligorsky said, quote, Third parties have been the vector of attack in many high-profile breaches, and I anticipate this trend will continue. In recent years, 63% of breaches were traced to third-party vendors, according to the SOHA system's survey on third-party risk management. If a hacker can breach a company and pretend to be a legitimate vendor, they may have full access to a company's network for months, plenty of time to monetize their attack. End quote. 
Monir Hahad, head of Juniper Threat Labs, thinks it possible that there may be a systemic issue here. He said, quote, It is important to understand that this breach is different from some past breaches, such as Target, where the third-party vendor was a vehicle for an intrusion into the final victim's own network. End quote. Both Vilogorsky and Hahad agree that businesses need to think in terms of the security of their vendor supply chain. As Hahad noted, quote, At the end of the day, it's companies like Delta Air and Sears that end up in the news, not so much the third-party vendor. End quote. The U.S. Secret Service has warned banks that chipped corporate debit cards are being tampered with by criminals. They intercept new cards in the mail, tamper with their chip, and then send them on to their ultimate corporate users. It appears the operation works like this. Once the crooks take the card from the mail, they heat it to melt the glue holding the chip, then they replace the new card's chip with an older one they have, and then put the new chip into an older card. The new card with the older chip is then put back into the mail. When the company gets the card, they'll activate it, but in the meantime, the criminals can make purchases and steal funds using the new chip they retained. How the criminals get to the mail is unclear. It may be a postal service inside job, or perhaps the crooks are just keeping an eye on corporate mailboxes. New activity by the Ocean Lotus threat group is being observed. Security company Trend Micro has detected a new macOS backdoor being used against an array of human rights groups. Ocean Lotus is believed to operate on behalf of the government of Vietnam. The infection vector is thought to be a malicious Word document distributed by phishing emails. Security intelligence firm Recorded Future says a Mirai variant has been responsible for attacks on European financial institutions earlier this year. Cisco's Talos Security Research Unit thinks it knows how Energetic Bear has been gaining access to systems associated with the U.S. power grid. Talos believes the Russian threat actor that U.S. CERT warned about is getting in by taking advantage of misconfigured Cisco switches. Microsoft is working to find what caused the widespread Office 360 outages being experienced across Europe today. The problem appears to be accidental, probably a glitch and not an attack, but investigation is in progress. Facebook CEO Zuckerberg will testify before two U.S. Senate committees next week, the day before he appears in the House. On April 10th, he'll answer questions from the Senate Judiciary and Commerce Committees. Russia warns the UK that if it continues to accuse Russia of things like the Salisbury nerve agent attacks, Russia will take appropriate measures. Britain, Moscow says, is playing with fire. That fire is widely expected in the West to take the form of stepped-up cyber attacks, at least initially. And finally, in what for us is local news, since these guys are just on the other side of the floor from us, Data Tribe has announced the three finalists in its $2 million cyber funding competition. Out of almost 100 applicants, the finalists are CyberCon, which combines machine learning with the ability to comb some of the most restricted parts of the Internet to deliver timely and active predictions that help its customers become proactive about security. Imogen, a unique sensor platform company, that combines hardware, software, and smart imaging technology that has the potential to save billions of dollars in the autonomous vehicle, drone, transportation, industrial, and commercial satellite industries. And Inertial Sense, offering miniaturized high-performance GPS inertial navigation, attitude heading reference, and inertial measurement sensor systems for the smallest, most accurate, and cheapest sensor platforms available in the world today. These three will share a $20,000 prize, and on the 25th of April, 
Data Tribe will announce the winner, who will take home $2 million in seed funding. Good luck to them all. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. And I'm pleased to be joined once again by Johannes Ulrich. He is from the SANS Technology Institute, and he's also the host of the ISC Stormcast podcast. Johannes, welcome back. Um, You had some tips today you wanted to share about API security. What do we need to know here? Yeah, what I really see lately uh, when I'm talking to developers, when I'm teaching our web application security class, is that uh, most web applications today are written as APIs, as application program interfaces. So what you do is you write an API and uh, then you write a modern web application that accesses it or maybe a mobile application that accesses that API. Whenever developers or anybody for that matter jump sort of on these new technologies, they sadly tend to forget sort of the basics that have always been true and are still true for these APIs. So, for example, what I'm seeing here a lot is uh, protection against brute forcing, where you have an API, for example, and I saw this recently that allows you to reset a password and then they sort of did the right thing. They use sort of a one-time password uh, via SMS messages that the user had to use to acknowledge uh, that they want to reset their password. Well, uh, there was no brute force protection here. So it's not really all that hard to write a little script that tries all these five-digit numbers that they're going to send you and essentially brute force the reset for any password. So these are some of the simple things, uh, but it it continues with cross-site scripting, SQL injection, all of these old basic vulnerabilities. They're coming back now and just sort of wrapped in this new technology. 
So in the case you just described, is it a matter of limiting the number of attempts that someone can make over a given period of time? Yes, this would be a defense here or just limit the number of attempts period. So if you reset your password and then I sent you this reset code, well, I'll only accept uh, three, four or five different codes before I make you request a new code. So uh, this would be a simple fix there. This is something that you know, people commonly do and uh, have done for a long time for traditional web applications. But then again, they sort of forget that these APIs that are often accessed sort of by these uh, fairly obscure and uh, hard to sort of reverse pieces of client-side script, that they're as vulnerable as your good old input form was on a web application. So why do you suppose this is being overlooked? Is this a matter of uh, people being in a hurry or or cutting and pasting or or simply negligence or, or just overlooking it? I think it's just overlooking it and a little bit, they sort of assume that these APIs or web services are often used to talk to other web services. They don't really sort of take into account that a user sort of or a human can sort of inject themselves and pretend to be a web service or uh, this application that's talking uh, to your API here. The way I always put it, it, just because you assume that machines talk to machines, well, uh, not all machines are good. You just have to watch Terminator and see you know, where it can go uh, with the machines. All right. It's, a, it's quite a metaphor there, Johannes. As always, thanks for joining us. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. My guest today is Jimmy Heschel. He's the head of digital security at Red Bull, the global energy drink company headquartered in Austria. They sell over 6 billion cans of energy drink a year around the world, and Jimmy Heschel is responsible for making sure the company and its customers' data are protected. So my accountability is to make sure that uh, whatever we do at Red Bull on a global scale is done in a secure way. That means uh, all, all information technology, all data privacy, all these things need to be done in a, in a proper way and in a proper manner. And can you give us an idea of the range of of areas that covers? I mean, obviously, you have employees, you have manufacturing, you have uh, consumer-facing things. Yeah, we we have several consumer-facing areas, websites and and, and communities uh, we have. And we've got our our core business, which is energy drinks, uh, which is available in 167 countries around the globe. Uh, We've got a user base of around 10,000, 11,000 internal accounts and devices plus mobile devices, so that doubles uh, the, the figures and numbers. And it's uh, a total footprint of uh, social media followers and, and all, of, all of that of around 100 million people. 
And so how do you set your priorities? How do you delegate uh, with your team for how you handle the various security challenges that you face? That's uh, three things. One is a management of the capabilities where we uh, defined the usual things you should have in place based on uh, frameworks and standards like COVID. Uh, The second one is uh, what I call the architecture, which is the enablers of COVID. So which tools, which organizations, which skill sets do we have? And the third uh, driver for the priorities uh, is a set of risks we're facing. Online risks, offline risks, uh, all all these things. And the combination of those three things then drive the priorities. And and so what currently are the, the things that are on your radar? What do you see as being the, the big threats that you have to face? The big threats is always the uh, disgruntled employees, disgruntled partners, uh, vendor login and cloud services, for example. Hmm. That's really driving us. And of course, the ever-growing uh, market of the online adversaries. So cryptocurrencies and, and, and those things that not normally, but via Trojans and, and other things come to our uh, endpoints and devices and steal uh, either uh, computing power or, in the worst case, uh, ask for ransom. Have you had to face uh, those sorts of challenges specifically? Have, have you had to deal with things like ransomware? Yes, we, we, we had uh, some occasions of, uh, of ransomware so up to one and a half years ago. Total number of 150 devices that were encrypted. All single instances, so no broad uh, encryption. Every single infection is one too much. Now, when you're communicating the challenges that you face to your board, to the people who have hired you, uh, how do you handle that translation of the the technical side of things to managing risk? That's a complicated thing, and I'm I'm not very successful in that Hmm. uh, because I try to translate it in, in business terms. But a company like us is not is not very much driven by uh, the clear facts and figures as a bank would be, uh, and the KPIs and the KRIs like in in Basel II or other things. Uh, it's more the likelihood of an impact to our uh, to our whole business and to uh, the way we conduct our business. And uh, it's more about uh, telling stories and uh, telling things what could go wrong, what what went wrong at other companies and how we need to make sure that we protect ourselves in an appropriate way. How are you going to be affected by GDPR coming online at, at the end of May? Not that much anymore. So we've been affected uh, a lot, of course, with our digital footprint and, and also collecting, of course, and, and, and having the duty of protecting that information of the, of the footprint. So many of our consumers trust us and uh, we need to be absolutely align that trust with, with the capabilities we have in place. So for me, GDPR is not a legal requirement. It's a, a question of honesty and, and to, to be uh, diligent with what you have and, and, and all, the, all the data you have from your, from your stakeholders and constituents. So from now on, I can sleep really well with the uh, GDPR requirements. I think we did our homework. No big issue in, in, uh, up until uh, May. How do you deal with the fact that uh, Red Bull being a global brand, you have to deal with uh, regulations and requirements that vary from country to country and even you know, state to state? Yeah, compliance requirements different from various regions and, 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 and countries and regulators. 
but luckily we are not primarily driven by compliance requirements as a bank or an insurance company would be. So we are more driven by curiosity and flexibility and and, uh, and uh, enterprise and business growth. Yeah, it seems like uh, Red Bull is such a strong brand and you have such strong brand loyalty that I guess one of the main risks you face is is reputational damage. If you were to have some sort of major cyber-related breach, uh, that's where you could be hit the hardest, and that's a tough thing to measure. Absolutely, and and uh, whenever you come up with a with a metric for that, uh, that metric might be a lie or unrealistic. Hmm. So I'm not trying to sell risk or or fear, uncertainty, and t- uh, and doubt throughout the company. It's more really more about the story and making informed decisions uh, and aware decisions that yeah, things can go wrong. And uh, it's very likely that things will go wrong sooner or later, uh, but it's our duty to make sure that we are resilient enough that whenever things go wrong, we are not harmed. That's Jimmy Heschel from Red Bull. And that's the Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. And for professionals and cybersecurity leaders who want to stay abreast of this rapidly evolving field, sign up for CyberWire Pro. It'll save you time and keep you informed. Listen for us on your Alexa smart speaker, too. The CyberWire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Stefan Vaziri, Kelsey Bond, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.